Welcome to Concerning the Spiritual in Art, a podcast exploring spirituality, consciousness, and the creative process. I'm your host, Martin Benson. All right, y'all. Welcome back to the podcast. Have another amazing episode here with uh, Kristen Farr, um, an incredible artist and muralist. She does installations. A lot of her work is very geometric, kind of hard edge geometry um, that she does. And she's super influenced by folk art and ne- and she kind of considers her work sort of neo-folk art. Um, we talk a lot about those influences in the beginning, especially like the hex signs, the kind of like signs you might see on barns and like rural spaces, especially related to uh, the sort of Pennsylvania Dutch um, sort of culture that her actual father is uh, brought up in. So she was kind of has a familial connection to some of those things, which she talks about, which I found to be really interesting. But we also talked about sort of like creative process in relation to sort of emotional sort of release and meditation and flow states and how art can be such a important vehicle for healing, um, which was a really powerful part of our discussion as well. Just thinking about healing through the lens of art making. Um, we also talked about just like our sort of our culture and sort of the conditions that we have where of like high distractibility and sort of like a, a numbness that we have toward uh, a lot of aspects of our life and how art can sort of serve as a vehicle for like reawakening the senses, for reattuning us to some of the nuances and subtleties of the beauty of life that are happening around us. And we just had a really rich discussion around not only her work, but a lot of the things that are happening sort of surrounding her work as well. And so I think you're going to really get a lot from this discussion. I know I did. Um, and it was just a really beautiful exchange that Kristen and I had. So here you go, Kristen Farr. All right, Kristen, welcome to the podcast. How's it going over there? Hey, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Yes, so great to connect with you. Um, I love your work so much. You do so many different things with your work in terms of not only making paintings, but like the environmental installation pieces and murals and even objects that you make too. So it's like a really multifaceted practice that you've developed that's really inspiring to witness. And I know one of the key influences for you is folk art. And I'm curious sort of like how that came into the work and where that inspiration came from and how does that stay fresh for you as an artist right now? Yeah, I think, um, where did it start and what is folk art? Right. (laughs) You know, so yeah, exactly. Made by folks. (laughs) Yeah. I guess the, yeah. And there was this other term naive art that people use and I think apply to folk art in some ways and I never liked that term I was like we can do better you know I draw really well for example so um I guess it just folk art like feels more accessible and is the kind of things I'm attracted to um I just love seeing like a wonky handmade Snoopy illustration or something (laughs) um and yeah, and I was always really crafty as a kid, like always doing crafts. This is my dog. Drink. I hear your dog. I was gonna say, I hear your dog. We were over? just talking about this off <laughs> off of record that we might hear the dog drinking water, but it, it's good your dog's hydrated. So uh, she oh, should, but oh, she's man. quiet about it. Anyway, um, yeah. Right you. Uh, so yeah, like as a kid, I was always like making little crafts. I was an only child. So I just, that's how I entertained myself. I did some drawing here and there, but um, I guess when I really started to understand more about folk art and like what that means is a, maybe a little bit through like the mission school artists, like always using like recycled materials and painting on wood. And so that's when like, painting on old wood so that's when um it kind of started to gel for me that like Mm -hmm. contemporary art can really be anything and it can look crafty and Mm -hmm. we don't have that conversation as much anymore but like um the difference between art and craft and that Mm -hmm. kind of yeah those lines are getting more and more blurred which is a good thing right um I love that we don't have to yeah 
distinction anymore. But it wasn't that long ago that like the California College of Arts and Crafts dropped the crafts, you know, mm -hmm. so definitely has like a connotation as not being fine art. But um, I studied textiles and quilting and uh, weaving in college as well as sculpture. Oh, cool. Um, so then I was like getting into like different materials, like making art out of old clothes and stuffed animals and junk I guess I just yeah it's true I didn't really think about how I've done a million different mediums because I've done this kind of painting the most um but yeah so sort of and I interview other artists for juxtapose um oh cool for my day job for the last 13 years so I learned so much about how to think about art from talking mm -hmm. about artists. yeah that's so, awesome such a blessing I was just thinking like how lucky am I and you must feel the same way to just I do call up artists that you like and ask them whatever you want it's really yeah fun. I learned a lot from that and then when I started doing these like hexagon kind of style paintings um that's when I was researching more about the legacy of Pennsylvania Dutch folk art and hexagon. Mm -hmm. yeah the reason I did that was because uh, my dad was from there um I didn't grow up in Pennsylvania but those were kind of in my young experience seeing that mm -hmm. kind of art um and then I guess I I just really found a hexagon shaped canvas that's how I started making those interesting um, like let me do a design just came into your life and you're like hmm yeah, because I lived near an art store out of college and I couldn't do welding or weaving in my tiny apartment. So I just went back to painting, even though I didn't study it in school. Wow. So I guess that's where I was. And I think for a little while, I was even calling my work neo-folk art because <laughs> I felt so inspired by those hex signs, which are considered folk art. Yeah. So... um that's so interesting because like what's you're talking about like folk art and one of the aspects of it is like a lot of like found materials sort of like more handmade kind of almost DIY like explorations and like new forms of like material combinations and things like this, which is definitely something you see in like folk art or I don't like the term naive art or even like visionary art. Some people talk about visionary art or what they're using now is saying vernacular art. There's so many terms for this sort of type of art being made outside of like some sort of like structure of like an institution or of a traditional setting. Um, but what's so interesting is like your work is so pristine and hard edge and very like specifically like rendered in terms of its structure because of these incredible geometries that you're playing off of but yet like you're kind of hearkening to that tradition of the hex signs but taking it to a, kind of a whole new way so I think the neo folk makes a lot of sense for me because I do see that thread to those hex signs I mean I see them all the time I'm from Kentucky you see them like driving through the countryside there on the barns and stuff and they're really have always drawn me as well as well as like quilt patterning and things like that um, because it is really grounded in this beautiful geometric quality to it. And I'm curious for you, like the geometries, have you discovered any specific meanings in certain hex signs and certain geometries? Like, do you know, can you tell us a little bit about like maybe anything you know about the history of those sort of designs themselves? Um, good question. Uh, I have so many thoughts. Um, uh, I got a D in geometry in high school. I always, <laughs> and I just wish I could see Mr. Schultz now and be like, yo, Mr. Schultz. I did not enjoy math in school. And nowadays when teachers are telling me they're using my work to teach about like math and art together, it just blows my mind. They That's also teach, like tinting and shading through my mm. work. Mm -hmm. I know very little about so I just like I don't even I hate to admit this but I don't even mix my colors it's all straight out of the tube so it's just <laughs> really color matching I'm not um yeah like I'm not doing the tints and shades mostly I don't mix colors because I'm afraid I'd run out and wouldn't be able to mix the same thing but mm. that's another way I think it's kind of folk arty because I'm just 
drawing lines and coloring in. Mm -hmm. So that makes me think about patterns. I once heard this artist, Faith Ringgold, who did quilting. People talked about her art maybe being crafty, but it was really contemporary art. And she and someone asked her, like, what's the difference between art and craft? And she said, like, as long as you're not using a pattern, it's art. And I was like, well, I'm using a pattern in a way. So, um, and I'm not like, you know, you paint with oil. That like blows my mind. That's a lot more work than painting with this plastic stuff. Just Well, it just depends on how you approach it, you know, like. Yeah. But the luminosity of oil painting, I love. And um, so anyway, where was I? The barn. Um, oh, just. Yeah, the hex signs. Yeah. Yeah. So there's also barn quilts. There's hex signs and then there's barn quilts, which look way even more like contemporary art, just like color block mm -hmm. in the barn. And those, I mean, they're just beautiful. The more traditional hex signs, you're right. They do not look like this. They maybe have a star in them, but they mostly have like, and they're, you know, symmetrical, but they have like birds and hearts and flowers mm -hmm. and different things about. Yeah fertility or um good harvest and that kind of thing so mine is really just the most commonality in it is is the um star shape that's sometimes in the middle but yeah hex signs I don't even think I could paint a traditional one because there's so many flourishes that you have to repeat like mm -hmm. in pattern so well yeah, i mean a lot of what you're doing like just looking at the two behind your head i mean those are very involved they take a lot of i could imagine a lot of patience you know a lot of concentration um and dedication to like seeing the vision through to the end because of the repetitive nature of it and um you mentioned like how some of the hex signs could like evoke kind of energies for certain manifestations that like a farmer in his community might want to have like a good harvest or fertility, so to speak. And I always find that idea to be so fascinating as well, kind of woven into all kinds of folk art traditions across the globe is this sort of way in which they not only weave like their imagery in relation to their culture, but also in relation to their consciousness or things they want to manifest or prayers in some ways, like things they're trying to bring forth. Do you ever think about that component too? Like about how like the work can almost be like a tangible version of a prayer or a blessing or an affirmation or whatever kind of like kind of a manifestation of a conscious idea that you're trying to bring forth? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and sometimes um they are referenced as painted prayers the original ones the, the hex signs that you see on barns and folk art and folk magic go together right mm -hmm. because there is some research in history that the reason people made what's considered folk art is for magical purposes so hex signs they have this funny history not all of it's true okay they're called the hex sign so people think it's witchcraft no it's just that that's the german word for six and a lot of them had six pointed mm -hmm. so um i always thought that was funny plus pennsylvania dutch people are german not dutch yeah. uh, that was just like bad reporting from the 1800s like they said deutsch and meant german and, oh my and god I that that's story. funny <laughs> that's what just like was like I want to latch on to this also I found out that my dad had made little hex sign souvenirs when he was a kid whoa a bit of a souvenir you know folk arty industry for them um in Pennsylvania well that's interesting how you're now you know what I mean like how there is this almost like thread through your family and tradition and did you discover that like recently or was that sort of something you discovered like, along your journey making these? Yeah, I think it was like I had started making them. I had tried to do a traditional one, uh, which has a bird on it called a distal fink. It's two birds. So I did actually one time I just remembered made that from my dad. Um, I didn't grow up with my dad around all the time. I just only saw him like infrequently. Mm -hmm. um, that's why it like helped me connect more and it was a thing we bonded about but yeah i i didn't really talk to him about them until i had been making them for a wow. while 
um, yeah, we had this kind of connection about That's it. That's really cool. Yeah. And that. it's interesting how you brought up this connection between like folk art and folk magic mm-hmm. and sort of how, I don't know, through like Puritanism and sort of like a staunch conservative kind of religiosity that sort of overtook a lot of like American, even rural culture, you know, kind of snuffing out the animistic or the sort of um, hand psychic kind of perspective that maybe a lot of like traditional people kind of had. I don't know if like, I think a lot about like, you know, people always say like witchcraft, but like I think of Wicca or I think of like kind of these other forms of spirituality um and how like you do see not only in those forms of spirituality but really across the globe all kinds of religions using art and art making as a way of connecting with spirit or a way of connecting with like a different kind of energy or intention um using them as like protective amulets or using them to like like you were like referencing like to sort of cultivate uh fertility or grid harvest so i find like these traditions they even though they've been kind of like snuffed out they're still around they still have to it's like almost like a a weed like breaking through the cement no matter what we do like this kind of energy is still going to find its way back out And um, I think we live in an interesting time where people are more and more open to thinking about consciousness and spirituality in sort of new ways outside of like a dogmatic tradition. Is this something that you think about like in your own art, like when you're making some of these pieces, like are you meditating on a certain idea? Are you thinking about a certain affirmation or prayer or energy you want to cultivate? Or is that just something that maybe is secondary? No, I definitely say they come with good luck, free, free with good luck added or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, just real quick back to the traditional hex signs. There was some debate about whether they were just for nice is the term, just for nice or for folk magic. And I think that's because they were secretive about the magic part. They didn't want to reveal that. But the reason I believe hex signs were for these like spiritual kind of blessings for the family, um, uh, sorry, I'm all over the place. No, uh, no, you're not at all. This is so fascinating for me fascinating. to think about. Right, thank you. I got my train of thought back. Um, uh, they would put hex signs like under on the bottom of a chair, the underside of a chair, or wow. inside a little box. So that's why I think it was kind of magic and you know trying to bring some energy. Now mm-hmm. I'm always asking artists, do you feel like your work is directed by something else? Like, do you feel like there's some other power like moving your hand? And it it can feel that way when I do something this detailed and then look at it later. I'm like, who did that? Like, right. <laughs> remember that? Like, did I just space out? And and I do space out, but um, it is kind of amazing to look at something and just like not, you know, you were kind of in a art making trance. That's mm-hmm. the best place to be where you can yeah. paint something super detailed. And, you know, they took a while, these big ones, but really just a month each so it's not taking like my whole life although if it was oil I think it would be longer but (laughs) um, yeah I mean the painted prayers idea about traditional hex signs really resonated with me I am just like pouring my heart and energy into this object as anyone does who makes things and so and it's a unique object and so how could it not be infused with the vibes or the energy or the intention. And because you're in that meditative trance state, it's not usually a negative place. So it's Mm -hmm. just all this positivity going into the thing. There is like some sad parts to it. You know, I said to someone once a long time ago, like, yeah, my work looks really happy because it's really colorful, but it's actually kind of sad. Like, because it's a record of your life, I was painting one when my uncle passed away and finished it after, you know, like a record of time and like put in this blue color of his eyes. And now I have several paintings that I've been in the middle of or did in honor of someone. So in that way, they are, they can be a little bit sad, but that's, you know, just to me because I remember what was going on in my life when they mm-hmm. happened and I do want to honor them and like make a beautiful thing in honor of them yes. and 
um, you know, I lost my mom last year. Bless her, my best friend and most wonderful mm -hmm. person. And I just made this like all white and really pale pink painting for her. Mm -hmm. um, and cause she just like had this pale pink sweater she liked. And oh. like, I also spoke to a sort of <laughs> shaman medium who said my mom was sending me pink sunrise images. So, oh. um, you know, that has really affected my work. It's, I'm not painting as much. And when I am, it's really neutral colors just because my life has changed so dramatically that mm my work is just naturally going to yeah and it is really therapeutic too art has always been therapeutic when I was a little only child with a single mom and like you know yeah really like something that kept me excited and kept me busy and like learning how to make funny things or I one time I made this little character out of a soap bottle um a pump soap bottle mm -hmm. and he was looked funny dotted or something and my idea was that I can't believe I'm telling this I, <laughs> I love it this is great my idea was that when people made fun of him you could squirt water at them with the little pump out of the soap it's hard to explain but yeah I love the face <laughs> on it and I'm sure like someone was making fun of me in school and I was like working through it in my little crafty projects so um it's, you know, I always, like, some people have asked me over the years, like, should I be an artist? And I'm like, if you don't, if you're, if you can't, if you don't just make stuff because you can't help it, like, you can't help but make things, mm -hmm. then probably not for you, you know? Yeah. Like, anyone who was like, I'm going to be an artist and wasn't already being an artist when they were little, like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I also think anybody can be an artist. Someone was just saying to me, like, I like making things, but I have no artistic talent. I said, just make a hundred more of those things and there's your talent. Yeah, but right? Time. Talent, yep. practice. That's why yes. it's art practice. So, yeah, when people say, like, oh you're so talented I'm like you could do this and they mm. do little kids make these because I had this video on PBS about how to make my magic hexagons oh and wow has like hundreds of thousands of views teachers send that's me amazing oh little kids designs and they might be crayon and messy but they like take the patterns to places I haven't so I truly think like everyone has that creativity and like, definitely you just gotta practice. Yeah, it's just a matter of practice. Like what how you want to channel your energy, how do you want to spend your time? Um, and not everybody's willing to put that time in because they're for whatever reason, they're drawn toward other things. And that's cool too. But I think that creative principle, the essence of art as like that creative principle is inside inside all of us because that is the essence, in my opinion, of life itself is the creative principle. So it is encoded in everything. So it naturally it's going to come through in some way. It might not come through in the form of like an intentional, tangible thing that we call art. Um, but it can come through in other forms as well. But I want to circle back to everything that you shared. And I just want to thank you for like sharing, you know, being vulnerable and sharing about the passing of your mother, which I'm so, you know, sending my heart and love to you for because I can't I haven't lost a parent, so I can't even relate. But I can empathize on certain levels. And, and I can relate to the idea that when you're making these works, you're in this meditative space, this flow space, this trance space. And I love how you said it's not even though they look happy, it's not always about all perfect good feelings because in reality, that's just not life. Like life is a soup of, of the entire range of emotional experience from every direction. And so to negate that would be to sort of snuff out what life's about. And I think in art, like when you're making that piece, it's a journey, right? You say it took a month. So it's like over the course of a month, are you always on a 10 and happy every moment of the month? Hell no. I mean, if you are, please tell me what you're doing, you know, but that's just not, that's not the mark of existence, right? Like the mark of existence is this flow of, 
of changing landscapes of emotion and experience. And what sort of maintains itself is a state of awareness through it all. And I think your art, like the awareness of maintaining the integrity of your pattern, your approach is there, but in the background, it's like every emotional quality is in it too. And so that's to me, what makes it so real and so beautiful and so uh, capable of being connected to because it was made by a human being who is multifaceted with multiple kinds of experiences happening while they're making it. And I think that's what makes it so powerful and beautiful. And you don't even know you're channeling it when you're doing it, but it just comes through kind of naturally because of your degree of focus and concentration. And I, and I think about that in my own work too. Like I have intentions, like I want my work to feel a certain way, but I can't control necessarily what it's going to feel for other people. Like I, my hope is that it, it creates sort of a, a boundary of like positivity or a container for like love really for like comfort and love or inspiration or, or even like awe inducing. Cause I think that is sort of a portal to like a higher state of mind um, when we're induced through awe. Um, but at the end of the day, like we can't control how people are going to receive our work, but we can be connected with like the spirit that goes into it and letting that flow. I think that's part of what makes art so magical, um, is that it gets encoded with our thumbprint, um, in, in a way that like is, uh, is not describable through, through words, really. It's like some, it's a felt experience. It's not an intellectualized one, you know, like, so someone comes across one of your pieces, or I imagine like some of these environmental installations you do, like you're encoding that space itself with some kind of energy field and people come into those spaces. And I believe that's where they can experience even a tiny morsel of healing in some sense. Cause I think that's kind of what's, what's happening through the process of making is like, we are healing ourselves through making and art is sort of maybe our, our given mode of healing. And that's why we call ourselves artists because this is sort of the ways in which we can find um, a pathway toward healing or, or becoming whole again, or coming connected to the wholeness that's always been there that we've lost touch with. Um, does that resonate with you in terms of like your experience? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. It is just, um, I mean, you said it all. It just really like the work, you could talk to someone without ever meeting them by having this work and having it ca capture their eye, even just for a minute. I said that in my video once, like, I just want to dazzle someone, even if it's just for a minute, you yes. know? And but the best art is the kind of stuff you want to stare at for a long time. But I mean, I'll even take like a glance if if it made someone smile or think it was pretty. Then like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, it like gets them outside of their it gets them outside of their head for a moment. Like gets them outside of this sort of rumination that happens inside all of us, where the monkey mind and all the thought streams are coming through, keeping us from being present. And art can just be so arresting that it can just catapult you out of this sort of state of of inner thinking and into a state of pure presence and awareness of awe of of wow of oh, i love you or dazzle and i think that word is so perfect with your art because it is dazzling the colors those the fluorescent colors you use but with the patterns and stuff like it does dazzle it does draw you in it does get you out of the mundane rhythm that you could be caught up in. And I think that's in some sense, what art, art has a power of doing too, is like kind of planting these little seeds. Even if it's like you said, for a moment, it's like you're, you're nurturing a seed of something really good in somebody. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It really, the students artwork that I see that's inspired by these lessons that teachers do. I keep bringing it up, but like, I was like, I think I made it. Like I'm being studied in school and by five or 10 year olds like that's you know you couldn't ask for more of an influence because yeah. all of us who are artists it was something that got you as a kid definitely me, I think one of them was Shepard Fairey's Obey posters with Andre <laughs> the Giant yeah now I'm you know he's like oh Shepard Fairey like he's world famous but they were just weird I don't even think he was saying obey yet, or maybe he did, but I was like, that's not an ad. What is that? And mm. my mom worked in the city, so I, you know, 
be around downtown San Francisco or the mission and just like see things that caught your eye. Like I can't even remember other artists, things that they saw when they were a kid. Like for someone, it was like a weird Spider-Man graffiti that they always remembered and it like made them want to be an artist. So I mm. just, yeah, I love the idea that just these little simple things that I feel are simple that I paint could actually resonate with like people of all ages and make them discover their own creativity yes. it's hard a middle yeah. school, an elementary kid can do it I just saw kindergarten versions of my hex signs last oh. week they were mostly just like circles but they were so cool oh man yeah just it's it's that I is such a beautiful that, thing to know that it being healing sorry to just yeah no yeah 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 cool. I don't want to forget this but yeah I mean it's art therapy is real and you know that a lot of us have think that the world would be a better place if everyone could fulfill their creativity because they have an outlet for any bad stuff going on mm -hmm. to like turn your sort of landscape into something that's at least like beautiful or or therapeutic yeah make so I think you're absolutely right about that like it just is really powerful in a way that not everyone can recognize yes yeah because sometimes it can be so subtle and I think we live in a culture and a time where we're just kind of numb to a lot of subtlety a lot of nuance um, we need to be like hit over the head with like a sledgehammer in order to have any sort of like excitement it feels like like we we've and I'm generalizing like crazy, but like we can look at our culture and see a sort of desensitization to some of the subtle qualities of everything, like the subtlety of just life itself. Um, we can be so sort of numb to the majesty of just beholding a beautiful blooming tree. Like, wow, like what an incredible experience to behold. Um, but because our world has become so oversaturated with stimulus images and then a lot of those i feel those images are always kind of like coupled with judgments of all kinds and so we're like so attached to stimulus that has judgment and like we can't just step outside of that part of our mind to just witness and behold the majesty of what's in front of us which is it, there's beauty everywhere to be found, even in this wild, seemingly psychotic world we live in today, like you can still choose to take a moment to step outside of it and behold the subtle nature of wind blowing across the ground, blowing things around, whatever, like, it sounds hyper romantic, but like, that's how I feel. I feel like almost in these times of like, you know, ubiquitous technology and social media and, and sort of saturated media experiences on every front, like just being able to like put that aside and just appreciate a moment outside of it is, is really important. I think that's what we need more than ever. And I think art is sort of about that, right? Like going to a museum or a gallery to experience something someone made is almost countercultural in some sense to just sitting at home and watching Netflix or playing video games, right? Like that is almost like uh, an opportunity for us culturally to like balance this world we're creating by getting people to experience more of like a sense of presence. And I think art, art exhibitions, museums, being in nature, things like that, that kind of get you an opportunity to behold something tangible and physical is a, is a really powerful and important process that we, I think, need to emphasize maybe more in our culture. Ugh, I, I just was talking to a friend who just started working at a museum yesterday, and he's always wanted to work in the arts, and he's just shocked how empty it is. And, um, you know, I go see a lot of shows too, and I'm shocked if another person's in the gallery at the same time as mm -hmm. me. So... But talking to him, I'm like, okay, I don't think it's just like, I was there on a quiet day. I think like post-COVID, people are Netflixing more than going to museums. That's why I love painting murals because that's not a self-selecting art audience. It's right. Went and bought a ticket. They can see it for free. They have to see it whether they want to or not because mm -hmm. it's in their neighborhood. And so as much as I'm like, nobody's going to the museums, they got to just like 
really try to push like getting out of galleries. That's why I like to, I mean, I love galleries and museums forever. For sure, of course. I prefer to install my work on a pile of rocks or sand because mm -hmm. I think just being a art journalist like um, for a long time, I just got tired of the white background. You may notice we have stripes and not white walls. <laughs> so um, yeah, I just, yeah, just it's people have to experience art. And I'm so glad that the mural stuff like blew all the way up. And yes. Have like hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. And all the ones I got to do were just the best experience. It's just so different than being in a studio or a gallery or museum is like a closed space. But when you're, yeah the public making art that's where you get the best comments and real-time feedback and yeah all kinds of stuff so um yeah, yeah bringing art to people is you know is definitely a part of that too um I look at the museum space and like the gallery space or installation spaces that because you can take over like old buildings and turn them into kind of an experience I look at them as like almost like a container for like all right put your phone away put everything away and just like be present in this space. It's like almost like by walking through the doors, like you can kind of initiate yourself into maybe like, okay, for the next hour, I'm going to not look at screens, but I'm going to look at whatever is here in front of me and really experience it. And I feel like that can be maybe very helpful for a lot of people and very therapeutic for a lot of people. It can be really relaxing. I feel like the energy of the city is so powerful of like urban spaces are so powerful for, for good and bad for, you know, different reasons, but like there, you can't deny like the vibration in those spaces. And then you walk into a quiet space, how you're like, Whoa, yeah. it affects you in a really positive way, even on a physiological level, like your nervous system calms down, fight or flight seems to dissipate and you, and you tend to be in a state of more presence. And I think that's a healthy place to be um, more often than in the other space of fight or flight, which I think our culture kind of is uh, instigating all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think it's a both and situation in my mind. Right. I, it made me think of this um, artist, Paul Koss, who is like real conceptual, well-known artist here. And he talked about how you have to stay in shape, like basically in your art practice, it was just something I never forgot, but also looking at it is staying in shape. You have to like make your mind stay in shape and do things besides look at the phone. I was kind of laughing when you said that because when I was in my 20s, like fresh out of art school and I went to the museums in New York um, and they were just blowing my mind and I was seeing artists work that I had only learned about in school and I had never seen it in person and I was and phones were like newish um, and I just went through all of MoMA in New York mediated by my phone because I was like I have to keep it I have to be able to see it again I'm not going to come back here what if I can't see it again like mm -hmm. was, like googling wasn't <laughs> yet. but like in a world before google what was that like oh my god I so mad after I think I only like did it twice in my life where I just was like I must collect all these objects on my phone and then I was like I didn't actually like look at the mm -hmm. art like, so yeah it is like really important to just yeah. like and I love artwork that too, where you're supposed to relax your body. Like two of my favorite artists are video artists, Pipilati Wrist and yes, she's Rottenberg. And I loved how they said, like, you need to be in repose to view their work properly. You need to be fully relaxed. And I love that too. Yes, so it's like definitely all the um, non-traditional like presentations of art or was always gets me like Pipilotti's art includes all these crazy shaped pillows on the floor and you know mm -hmm. I always disconnect with people who like have it all, <laughs> all yeah the they create like a novel container a novel experience that's sort of counter and that and that in and of itself is going to get you out of that rhythm of the everyday of the mundane sort of maybe uh, zombie like ways in which even me sometimes like moves through the world, you know, like it just snaps us out of it for a little bit and brings us into a space. Like I was saying, or like, awe. but it's so interesting to say about like the phone and like going through MoMA and like, so I see that like when I go see live music, like I see a lot of people around me, like they're just recording 
the music. And no one watch. wants to watch that. A no one. Announcement. I know. Stop recording your concerts. I know. I get a little jealous, but B, it sounds awful. I know. Every time someone sends me a video of them, and it like, I'm at this concert. I'm like, I can't even watch this video. It's so terrible. But like, I try to like, when I'm at a concert, like, just put the phone away and like, let the sound waves hit you and just be fully engaged with what's happening. And it's such a magical experience that way. Cause the phone is just automatically going to create this sort of separation between you and the experience in some way. And I think what art can do on like a high level is it can dissolve the boundaries of separation, where it's just a one thing's happening. The consciousness that is experiencing the stimulus coming at it is like one fluid circle. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like the boundaries dissolve, even if it's just for like a millisecond. And like, that is something that you don't forget. You know, that's something that you talk about years later, like, oh man, that concert, I just was transported or that show, what have you. But it's hard. I think we have an uphill battle um, mm -hmm. with this stuff because it's just so good. The phones are just designed to trap us. I They're know. by the <laughs> smartest people there are. <laughs> I was just talking about how I like waited a few years to get an iPhone. Like I didn't get one right away. And I was like, why would I need a computer in my hand? I'm in front of a computer all day at work. I don't need one in my pocket. Like now I'm just like, please say my screen time went down this week, you know, I look <laughs> art and I look a lot, I look at a lot of art and read a lot of articles on my phone. Everything yeah. on my phone, read a book on my phone. I'll do it all on the phone. So yeah. I guess I did actually need it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with it. Like I'm not trying, I'm not a Luddite by any stretch hey, of the imagination. Course. Like I embrace technology and love it, but I think uh, it's like, we're, we're so new. It's so new right now. And so I think we're in this, like, we're not fully comprehending like a lot of the implications of our habits with these things. And so I think it just, it's, I think we're in a time where we need to kind of maybe reevaluate our relationship with it so we can find a little more balance. And I think that's a struggle for all of us. And I think it looks different for all of us too. Like my, you know, because work, you know, you have to, you, I look at art all the time. I'm always seeking out artists, like kind of the same way you are like looking at what's out there. I'm so interested in what people are making. And, um, and I'm always really just curious about like how art can continue to evolve not only cult, our culture, but even just consciousness itself and how it can be such an important ally for us to kind of maybe help manifest a, a better world as idealistic as that sounds. Like I think in the most idealistic version, art can do that. Um, and so it's definitely a part of my life, but I'm just, you know, always battling as well with the attention there. No, Instagram has been like amazing for artists and for a while it was like Instagram is the new gallerist and you can sell your own work and you know you don't need all that like middleman or whatever and it's just gone through so many phases mm -hmm. but I love it I love having that record of my work and everyone with the ego likes to hear nice comments about their of course work. Um, but it's true we're experiencing art on like a backlit thing this big and that's a different experience in real life and I remember that all the time because I have to do a lot of online research but you have to see things in person to mm -hmm. really have this more transformative effect I, think. I agree you get it when you see something you love but it's just the physicality of seeing art like in a space rather than in this phone I think. yeah because as much as the technologists want us to live in the metaverse we live in a body and we live in a physical you know we live in a physical space and so like the experience like but what's cool though is like i can see your work on a screen and i can have even like a degree of that experience like i can imagine like when i see it in person like how much more that is heightened and so like it's still cool it's like almost like it's like a teaser you know, and then like you get to see it in person. It's a whole different ball game because it's it's addressing your body. I remember the first time I went to the uh, Rothko Chapel in mm -hmm. Houston and um, I went with like family members and some people go in there and they just don't. They're just like, what is this space? Like, what are these paintings? Like, what is going on? And it's because, again, it's subtle and subtlety is hard. Um, but the scale of it in relation to my body, in relation to that, the architecture of that space 
just came together in such a, a perfect confluence of elements and situations that it was a very powerful space. It had a very interesting novel resonance to it. And I, I found myself just sitting and meditating in there for a long time. And my family was really mad at me waiting for me outside. Like we, we never thought you were going to come out of there. Martin. I'm like, sorry guys, I'm only here. You know, I, mean, I haven't been there, but I have, you know, been moved by Rothko in my life, but I haven't been to the chapel, but now it all makes sense. Like the kind of uh, ideas you talk about on the podcast that are really about a sense of spirituality with art. That's yeah. like an example. So. Yeah. And spirituality is such a tainted word these days. Like, you know, like I could say it, I say spirituality and a hundred people hear it and a hundred people think maybe a different thing. Um, but for me, like the essence is, a, is about a deep connectivity to something beyond your own individuated ego, like to something deeper than just Martin and my personality and my life story. It's like connecting to like a grandness of the universe in an intangible way. I don't know like how to, and that experience is um, when you feel it, even when it's quick, like you can't deny it. It's undeniable and it doesn't belong in a book. It doesn't belong in a space. It belongs in the entire universe. It's everywhere to be found. It's just a matter of what's happening in our mind and our hearts that are either opening us to it or shutting us off from it. Um, and so that's where we have to kind of maybe get in touch with the filtration device of the human consciousness, you know, the body mind. And if we can sort of be consciously working with that, we can maybe open these doors in ourselves that are deeply transformative. Um, and I don't care who who it is that describes it, like when you're in that space, I think it's um, it's undeniable. At least that's my personal perspective. Um, so that's what I look for in in life itself is like finding ways to poke holes in the filters that I've created, the conditions that have been created for me um, through concepts and, and, you know, social conditioning and family conditioning and being able to like see beyond the veil of, of all these filtration devices that have paint the world as I think it is and allow me to see it in a new way. Um, that to me, that's just been super powerful healing back to that word healing deeply. Absolutely. Yeah. I think art and spirituality, if I really think about them together, it's, kind of the same I mean I yeah. like that when I was a kid like 12 13 my mom worked downtown and I didn't want to go to Sunday school anymore so I said can I go to the art museum on Sundays instead and she was okay with that That's so cool that was my own way of like meditating and connecting so mm -hmm. I think, yeah like religion the western religion like there's a lot of bad stuff but art making is kind of I feel like a lifestyle or yeah that kind of, that kind of all-encompassing thing that people do so yeah. Um, and yeah if you're moved by art you're having like a connection with your spirit and your soul or your heart and your mind or however you want to call it so yes definitely not like about like a religious person but I think you know everyone like needs this kind of flow state and yeah. to feel seen by things or to feel moved or dazzled by mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Really. I think we thirst for it and we yeah. don't even know it. Like we're like, and we kind of replace our thirst for that. Um, and sometimes we mistake it for like material success or objects or, you know, buying and selling. And I'm, I'm guilty as charged for that too. Like I, I can recognize that happening in myself um, and I'm working through it and I'm trying to recognize it sooner than later, um, how we can sort of try to replace our thirst for connection or thirst for being seen or our thirst for feeling good um, and sort of whole or like through like, things we want to buy uh consumerism and so it's uh it's a tricky tricky landscape that we live in these days it really is but i think sometimes the trickiest landscapes give the greatest opportunity for deep growth mm -hmm. um if it was super easy um you wouldn't and didn't have challenges there wouldn't be opportunity for that evolutionary principle yeah. um, to play itself out um and i think it comes back to like we were saying like art and spirituality the same thing i agree because within it is the creative principle 
And whatever we want to think about the origins of life, something happened somewhere to make this thing be the way it is, I think. I don't know, like, because everything is seems to be all about creation. Um, and we're a part of that process. And so being an artist, it's kind of more intentional um, in that way. I don't know. It's fast. It's fascinating to like think about things on those sort of different levels, um, because language is always something we trip up on because we could be having a discussion. Like I was saying earlier with the word spirituality, it's like if we're not agreeing on what the meaning of certain terms are. We could be ha thinking we're having a, a discussion, but we're really talking totally different things. And I think to me, that might be the essence of some of the problems we see is like, we're just not understanding these words we're using in the same way. And so when we're talking about it, we're not having a real dialogue or a real exchange of information because we're in different paradigms of knowledge. Um, and so it's a question of how to bridge those gaps. I have no idea. So I'm not going to try to <laughs> answer that. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much and the work that you do and uh in sharing your time and energy with me today. I think this was an awesome conversation we have. I and mean, we're coming up almost on an hour already, which feels like it just flew by. It did fly um, by. Yeah. And I just I'm just, you know, it's so amazing. I didn't realize that you were a journalist as well. So that's so cool. <laughs> we both kind of connect on I don't consider myself a journalist, but I guess this endeavor of this podcast is, is, is sort of so weird because I, <laughs> I flipped the script on you. <laughs> I don't get interviewed that often, but you did exactly what I feel is a successful chat is like, we're just chatted. And yeah. Oh, so I do as an editor feel like, wait, shouldn't we talk for another hour? And <laughs> this generative flow state was good. And I really liked talking to you and I'm yeah. a fan of the podcast and your work. Awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much. Right back at you. It's just great to connect and everybody out there, just look at the show notes. I'll have links to Kristen's work, um, her Instagram and anything else you want me to add in there. We'll talk later um, when we release the episode about all that. But, uh, key, you know, I know you're in sort of a transition space with your work and and uh, those are those liminal spaces are are just pregnant with possibility and you just never know what what stepping stone it's going to be. I think every artist gets in those liminal spaces. I think that's part of the journey of being an artist. It's hard, but it's also like, wow, anything is possible for you in terms of where things could go and evolve. So sending you so many like good vibes and love and blessings for where where that's going to lead you. So likewise, thank you so much. Awesome. Great to get to know you and thanks for having me. Yeah, more to come. So take care, Kristen. You too. See ya. All right. Peace. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Concerning the Spiritual and Art. Um, if you like what you're listening to, please uh, leave a comment, uh, give me a rating on whatever podcast platform you're, you're tuning in on, and uh, get, help me get the word out. Share it with any friends or family, anyone you think might be interested in uh, what I'm doing over here. Super excited to bring a lot more of this content to you. Sending lots of love out to each and every one of you. Peace, y'all. <laughs>